protests in Minnesota, Indiana, and across the country continue to make news this weekend after George Floyd was killed by a police officer last week. I'm Dan Spieler. On this week's edition of In Focus, we start with the protests here in Indianapolis, making for some pretty difficult moments in our city. But no doubt it's a situation that's caused a lot of pain and outrage nationwide. Saturday here in Indy, Mayor Joe Hogsett and Police Chief Randall Taylor had this message for our city. We firmly believe that Indianapolis is a community uh, that understands peace, understands progress, uh, and one unfortunate night won't change that. Our first responsibility is always to keep our residents safe. And we have a responsibility to intervene when actions of individuals threaten our city. We swear an oath to do just that. Now, Friday, we also heard from Governor Eric Holcomb. I'm looking and appealing to people to find it in the goodness of their heart to be part of the solution here and not part of the problem. And it can be tough when you see injustice around you. I get it. And it can, you can be very reflexive and very reactionary. But I would just ask folks to, to take a breath and to be part of the solution. Meantime, a lot of reaction to George Floyd's death and the ensuing protests. Congressman Andre Carson said black people in this country have been unheard far too long, despite our pleas to stop the senseless killing of our loved ones. I'm proud that as a community, we're raising our voices in unison against justice. We must be sure, however, that our advocacy is organized, strategic and yields lasting results in our community and across America. Those words from Congressman Andre Carson. Meantime, Congressman Jim Banks said George Floyd should be alive today, and I grieve with his family. Justice must be served. Peaceful protest is healthy. Banks says we must always protect the freedom of assembly, but we must protect that freedom without violence and without ripping apart our communities. We'll have much more on the protests with our panel later this morning. We are also following the concerns over the Indiana primary two days from now, already delayed about a month because of the coronavirus. And while the presidential primaries are essentially uncontested at this point, we do have a big congressional race and a lot of questions about how things will go for election officials on Tuesday. Concerns about delays with absentee ballots. Meantime, the big race we're watching is in the 5th District. This is Susan Brooks' seat. She's retiring, and these are the 15 Republicans in the race for her seat. Five Democrats as well as they try to flip the district from red to blue this year. You've probably seen a lot of ads in recent days. I asked some of the candidates about those ads this week, including former Marion County Prosecutor Carl Brizzy. You've been... Going back and forth here with one of your opponents, State Senator Victoria Sparts, a group supporting her has been critical of you. You've questioned the source of some of her finances. Here's what she told us about that last week. I've been involved in commercial real estate. I've been involved in farming. This country was so great to me. I came here with nothing. I think it's very clearly disclosed in my statement. And um, to tell you the truth, I didn't plan to loan myself as much money, but my session ended in the middle of March when we went in lockdown and everyone was really concerned. And I felt that, you know what, I'll have to put more money to this election because it's important times and I have to make my case. She also says this is just politics. I know Carl is upset, but voters will decide. What's your response to that? Well, my response is that, look, I'm not upset, but um, as, a, as a former prosecutor and as somebody who, who basically does 
this for a living. Um, the $750,000 that Victoria Sparks has contributed to her campaign is not accounted for, right? I mean, every time someone in the press asks her the question, she deflects it. She never answers. Listen, Dan, the money had to get from somewhere into her campaign account, right? I mean, she didn't bring in bags of cash uh, to the bank. So the money had to come from a bank. That bank is not listed on her federal disclosures. And there is actually no checking account or no savings account listed on her federal disclosures. So I don't even know how uh, Mr. Sparks buys groceries, much less uh, transfers $750,000 into her campaign account. Uh, Club for Growth has been going after both you and Beth Henderson. Uh, I want to ask you about their ad that shows you in recent years on your talk show being critical of President Trump. They've also been critical of you, the Club for Growth, on the issue of taxes. But in this recent ad, are you worried about the impact that could have in a Republican primary? Well, look, the Club for Growth is a dark money, deceitful organization run by a bunch of clowns. And the thing about Club for Growth that is so ironic is this is the same organization that spent $7 million trying to defeat President Trump in 2016. So for them to turn around and criticize me on my radio show, my podcast, um, for being critical of some of the things that the president says, does, and tweets is insane. Look, I support President Trump, but uh, Dan, I don't agree with everything the president does, says, and tweets. And if you're looking to um, elect someone to Congress um, who will just literally march in lockstep and never uh, say a critical thing, that's not me. That's not me. I'm, I'm going to tell it straight. I'm going to tell it how it is. And I'm telling it straight. I'm telling it how it is right now. I support the president 100%, but I do not always agree with everything he does, says, and tweets. Just like my wife and, or, or my kids, totally support them. But do I always agree with them? No. How, uh, it's an interesting way to put it there. Um, how, how, how concerned are you about this primary itself on Tuesday in terms of the logistics, the safety process in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, we've also heard some reports uh, in Marion County potentially of voters not receiving their absentee ballots, though one had been requested. Uh, do you have concerns about this thing going smoothly on Tuesday? I do. Uh, no, you know, this is unprecedented. Nobody knows what's going to happen. I know Marion County sent out like a million plus ballots. Uh, only a small handful have been returned. Um, we received our absentee ballots just as a test in Hamilton County. But it took a little bit longer than I expected. Now we're going to go vote in person. But I really don't know. Um, I do know this. I know that the, if somebody requests an absentee, Dan, the longer it sits uh, on their on their nightstand or the kitchen table after they've received it, uh, the less likely that it will go returned. And so then it becomes an issue of now are people going to actually go out and go vote at the polls? The bigger issue, though, I will say is this, is that if this uh, dark money club for growth organization turns this election and it turns on a special interest dark money pack, that's going to be a big problem for Republicans in terms of holding this seat. What is your final message to voters here uh, with just days until this primary in a very crowded field? I would say this, that no matter who your candidate is, no matter which way you're leaning, go and do, do 15 minutes of research. Go online and look and make sure that the negative things that are being said about whoever they're being said about, make sure that those things are actually true because what we are finding is, is that they are all gross misrep misrepresentations and outright outright lies from this dark money pack because they have no accountability. They're not Hoosiers. They're in D.C. And nobody knows where their money comes from. And so I think it's incumbent upon everyone to, uh, to do a little homework before they cast a ballot. 
Carl Brizzy, we thank you for spending some time with us today, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, let's bring in Beth Henderson now. Beth, a lot of ads on the air ahead of this uh, rather crowded primary. You have also been targeted in some of these ads from Club for Growth. Uh, are, are these ads effective showing an interview you gave in 2016 about Donald Trump and some of the things you didn't like about his campaign at the time? You know, Dan, it's, first of all, it's a shame that this special interest group, Club for Growth, uh, interjected themselves at the request of Victoria Sparks, and they're spreading slanderous lies. Uh, the gist of this interview with CNN was done two years ago uh, when Mike Braun was running, and uh, they asked to come and do an interview. Uh, so I reluctantly accepted, but I wanted to promote Mike and President Trump. And of course, the interview that's shown in the commercial has been clipped and doesn't show the part where I say I am pro-Trump, I'm for his policies, the thing that I said was I didn't really like his tweets and, and some of uh, the things he said. But I think, you know, other than that, I did say that uh, I do think he's for the good of the people and he's doing good things for the country. And I supported him. And if you notice at the bottom, it says uh, Trump voter. It says, uh, yeah, so I voted for Trump and I would vote for him again. They twisted things to be not true and the negativity is not what the voters want or deserve. I uh, want to ask you about your recent ad pushing back on Senator Sparts. Uh, in this ad you show uh, an image of a Soviet flag. You mentioned that you are born in the USA. Are you concerned some of that may come off the wrong way that some might find it to be too nativist? Well, first of all, my opponent has so many unanswered questions about her finances and the sources of her funding for her campaign. We are basing my commercial on the truth. And those images were taken directly from Victoria Sparks's commercial. So nothing was edited or uh, misconstrued. And uh, we are, we're basing it on the truth. I have to defend myself and defend my integrity and character. Most importantly, finally, when it comes to this coronavirus crisis, you revealed the impact it's had on your family. Uh, how's, how's everyone doing? Thanks for asking, Dan. Well, our daughter Amelia is doing so much better. It was it was a tough few weeks. I'd get calls from her. She'd have a high temperature. Um, it was so hard as a mom to not go running over to Champaign, Illinois, to take care of her. But I think she's finally through the worst of it. She's feeling better. I just spoke to her right before our interview. Um, she's getting tested again on Friday, providing she's negative she will be home for election day, which we're very excited about. So glad that she's doing well. Beth Henderson, thank you for taking some time with us today. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Dan. All right, this week I also spoke with candidates Kelly Mitchell and Micah Beckwith about this very crowded primary and the impact of the coronavirus with more voters than ever requesting absentee ballots. We saw some of the numbers this week showing half a million Hoosiers had requested an absentee ballot, but. This week, you also sent a letter to Mayor Hogsett with some concerns about whether voters in Marion County have actually been receiving those absentee ballots. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, in the 5th the District alone, we've had over 47,000 uh, GOP absentee ballot requests, which is just uh, unprecedented. And so, indeed, a, a huge number we're dealing with. But in my calls uh, to voters, which I am doing, spending a lot of my time calling voters again, talking with them, listening to them, uh, I talked to an 84-year-old gentleman yesterday who has never missed an election, never missed a vote, and he has yet to receive his absentee ballot that he requested over a month ago. And uh, he's afraid that for the first time he's going to miss a vote. Uh, I don't know what will be uh, decided, if anything will be changed, but I really wanted to bring this to light because I am concerned that many, many voters are going to be disenfranchised for this primary election. Is it possible we don't know Tuesday night who, who has won this primary? I think that's very possible, uh, which is someone, of course, who's on the ballot and thought this would be decided May 5th. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, you know, really excited about, but I absolutely understand. And I'm grateful for the people that have taken the time to vote by absentee because they want to participate in this great American process of casting your vote for the candidate that you believe in. And so however long it takes, uh, I certainly hope that I have the great honor of representing the people of the 5th District of Indiana in D.C. How is this going to go in terms of safety and logistics? Yeah, so uh, I tell everyone, do what you feel comfortable doing. If you are uh, immunocompromised uh, and you feel it's best for you and your family to stay home, well, then vote absentee. Vote uh, mail-in. Uh, there's other ways to get, get out the vote. Uh, but to those who want to actually go and uh, exercise their right by clicking the button, well, then get to the polls, too. And, you know, again, be be wise, be safe. You don't have to stand close to people. I've, I early voted in Hamilton County uh, on Tuesday, and I think Hamilton County is doing a great job. It was very uh, spread out. Uh, I didn't come close to really anybody the entire time I was there. So it's, uh, I think we can do this and we can do this well. It's not a, uh, you have to stay in your house or open up all, all together. There, there can be middle ground. And at the end of the day, it's about personal liberties. That's what I keep pushing. The government does not have the authority to label anybody non-essential or essential. Um, they can ask us to, to stay home. They can ask us to shut our businesses and our churches down, but they cannot mandate it and decree it. With had called for an end to some of those government shutdowns way back in April. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we'll talk with our panel about the upcoming Indiana primary and some of the challenges that officials could face. And we'll talk with our panel about the situation in Minnesota, prompting reaction and unrest there and around the country in an already volatile time. We'll be back. All right, time now to bring in our panel to talk about this week's top stories. Joining us online this week, Jennifer Wagner, Mike Murphy, Robin Winston, and Tony Samuel. Let's start with Jennifer, who's the former communications director for the Indiana Democrats. Two days from this primary, Jennifer, what might we see when it comes to safety and logistics with absentee votes, concerns about delays with that process, and what about this crowded 5th District primary? Yeah, so I think the short answer to that is that we're probably not going to know uh, two days from now what the outcome of those really, really close races are. So not just CD5, but some of those close state house races. Uh, I think that we're going to see a, a relatively smooth election for those who go and vote in person as long as people are safe and, and socially distanced. But uh, I think it's going to be a few days uh, into this coming week before we can actually call a winner. 
and could be a long time counting some of those absentee ballots. We'll see. Jennifer, thanks. Let's bring in former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy. Mike, a lot of ads here in the final days, especially from the, the Club for Growth, as the candidates discussed earlier. Yes, Dan. I'm, I have to say I'm really disappointed in how the last couple of weeks have gone. Um, we have uh, David McIntosh, who used to be a Hoosier, at one time acted honorably in this state. Um, he's bringing uh, tons of money into the state, uh, telling lies about uh, all kinds of candidates, Brizzy, Henderson, and others. And here's a guy who lost his home precinct when he ran for governor and then lost a primary for the very congressional seat we're talking about today. So I don't know if he's trying to win by proxy or what, but he's certainly shown a complete ignorance of Indiana politics. And I hope he stays out of Indiana. Well, let's turn now to uh, former state Democratic Party chairman Robin Winston. Robin, is this a seat Democrats can flip? Well, yeah, Joe Donnelly uh, won this district in 2018. Uh, it's the seat that we have outstanding candidates running for. Uh, let's not leave this absentee ballot thing behind, Dan. There's 500 and some thousand of applications have been submitted and ballots have gone out. 320,000 of those have gone to Democratic voters. So this proves what we've been saying for decades, which is if you make voting more accessible, you increase the number of people that will participate. And hopefully the General Assembly will expand voting rights when they get back together. Finally, 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel. Tony, how do you see this playing out? Hey, Dan, thanks. Well, there's a lot there. Um, one uh, just personal note on the absentee ballots. Um, we mailed the request in both uh, for my wife's and mine, and we got my wife's back, but not mine uh, yet. So it looks like I'll be voting in person. Um, there are a lot of safety precautions that are that are in place, so I feel pretty comfortable about it. Regarding the fifth district race, I agree with Mike. You know, I, I, as as uh, working on the Trump campaign in 2016, I was. Uh, really disappointed in uh, what the Club for Growth was doing back then. So as soon as I saw that first mail piece attacking uh, Carl Brizzi I, and, I, and I saw who it came from, I knew exactly what was going on. And, and the, the hypocrisy is, is uh, huge here. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I think, again, with so many candidates and so many people distracted with uh, what they're dealing with daily sure. with the coronavirus and, and everything, that uh, it still opens the door for any of these top tier candidates. So we'll it's not necessarily yeah. going to go to the person that spends the, the most money. Uh, and I think Beth Henderson and Carl Brizzy both have a decent we'll shot. We'll see how it plays out. Of course, as you mentioned, a lot of other headlines this past week at the national level, the situation in Minnesota, at the national, state and local level, the reopening process continues here in Indy. You have the city's transit plan getting a boost uh, from some federal grants this week. W what else stood out to you guys uh, in the news this past week? Uh, amidst what seems to be a very volatile time in our country, Robin? Well, first off, uh, seeing the, the death of the man in Minnesota was very disheartening. This is starting to get to be old. Uh, we've seen Eric Garner in New York. We saw a guy get shot when he was out jogging in outside of Atlanta. Um, we're, we saw the, the, the actions in Minnesota. But I want to make something clear. Dr. King would never have condoned this kind of violence that we're also seeing in reaction to this. We talk about campaigns and elections here a lot. If you want to make changes in policy, register to vote, vote, and change the policy maker. Don't break windows and steal televisions. It's important. It's important that this police matter be addressed, not only here, but in Louisville yesterday, the police had to confront people 
on Jefferson Street because a woman was shot in her home on a no-knock warrant by the police department. This stuff has got to stop. Mike, your thoughts on the week that was? Well, first of all, I have to bring up once again uh, the complete incompetence of the highest order and a lack of leadership on the part of the Marion County clerk. She's known for months that this was going to happen, at least two or three months, this uh, mail-in election. She had plenty of time to prepare for it. And now at the last minute, she's sending letters to the Secretary of State and blaming everybody from you know Donald Trump to who knows. Um, it's time to uh, get her, you know, get her adult clothes on and her adult attitude and run this election the way it should be led. The other thing I think you have to comment on is in both good and bad about Trump this week is good in that he secured $100 million for the South Shore, which will be great for Northwest Indiana, but bad in that he uh, seems to be uh, saying when the, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, going back to a 1967 Miami mayor statement, that is dangerous and it's irresponsible. Jennifer? Yeah, I think I want to, I mean, I think everything that Mike and Robin said, um, but for some reason this week felt heavier than most, yeah. um, I think because it all came together and I, I we have 100,000 people, you know, who've died of the coronavirus and 20,000 more in, in predicted in the coming weeks and you've got riots in Minnesota and, you know, you've got our reopening going pretty well, but everything just feels so heavy and I really just hope we can take this opportunity to you know, use the example in Minnesota to teach our kids, especially, you know, our white kids, you guys, you have to stand up, you have to be allies, you have to fight for the things that are right. And also just to say, look, America, take a look in the mirror. Is this who we are? Are we really being our best selves right now? And if the answer is no, then then to Robin's point, let's get out there and vote and make some change. Tony, 30 seconds here, I'll give you the last word. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I did want to comment on what's happened in Minnesota. That was the most, probably the most horrific thing I've seen, the, the death of, of uh, George Floyd. But uh, regarding the rioting and the looting, I, I agree with Robin. But I also want to point out, these are anarchists as well. So they're giving the folks in Minneapolis a bad name that want to, want to protest peaceably as they should be allowed to. These are people also that are coming in from uh, other places and starting fires and, and uh, just instigating and making things a lot worse. Um, so that has to be looked at because there's conventions, national conventions coming up sure. and, and, and we need to really yeah. take a strong. It's going to be uh, quite a year, uh, no doubt. And it has been already Tony, Robin, Mike, Jennifer, thank you all so much. Speaking of 2020, Joe Biden says he'll pick a running mate by the first of August. He is also closing in on the magic number of delegates needed to officially clinch the nomination. We'll break down the numbers as we approach the Indiana primary coming up next. With his opponents out of the race, Joe Biden is the presumptive Democratic nominee, but his opponents' names will still be on the ballot here in Indiana. Biden has won all the states you see here in the map in dark blue. He's already earned over 1,500 delegates. Seven states vote on Tuesday, including Indiana. There are 82 delegates on the line here. At some point in the near future, Biden will clinch the magic number needed to get the nomination. On the Republican side, you can see President Trump has already reached that mark. Join us right here Tuesday night for election results. Whatever we have, we'll bring them to you here on Tuesday.